Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Hello, good morning everyone. My name's Simon Koshut and I'm a trustee here. And <laughs> I'm saying that because we got a visitor this morning. And um, I'm a tax collector and a sinner. And I, <laughs> I, I came to Christ when I was 18. I was brought, brought up a Catholic. And um, I had a conversion experience within the Catholic Church when I was 18, when I was attending a charismatic prayer, prayer meeting. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what I'm about to tell you is what I really believe. And if you listen carefully, there is a key to your future in what I'm going to talk about. So the first section is prisoner or pilgrim. St. Paul wrote this from prison. It would have been understandable if he was in despair and if his spirits had been very low. We would not be surprised. But strangely, the reverse seems to be the case. Instead, he boasts of his captivity and says that he is a prisoner of Christ, and that he is held captive for Christ. It seems to me that St. Paul was one of the first interpreters of the message of Christ. He, with Peter and other apostles, were those who continued the growth of Christianity. So what was his secret ingredient, and can we have it? When we consider the passage we just heard, we can see that St. Paul believes that what he has experienced in his faith journey is available to everybody. As I said, he does not write like a captive. He writes like someone who is so focused on his mission that he regards being in prison for his faith as a temporary respite from his purpose. He writes like someone who is sure that he will be released. This set me thinking about the fact that we are often called pilgrims. To be a pilgrim means that we are always on the move, that we are journeying towards a goal. In your life, you are not stationary and not even living in the same place. We are a pilgrim people because we are making a journey in faith. That journey is a long run and sometimes has a lot of sidetracks in it. And some are not of our choosing. You cannot be a Christian without also being a pilgrim. Travelling light through the world, we are a people of faith and therefore our hearts are constantly on a pilgrimage. The 11th chapter of Hebrews speaks, among others, of Abel, Enoch, what a wonderful name, Noah, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who are described as strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It says, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So if you are not like Paul, a prisoner of the gospel, and you are a committed Christian, do you accept that you are a pilgrim here on earth and do you therefore take on the characteristics of a pilgrim? As far Psalm 84 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. We should, as pilgrims travel light, shedding our emotional baggage through receiving healing and jettisoning our cumbersome physical luggage. 
The courageous ones decide that they will take nothing for the journey. For indeed, our true wealth is in our faith. This morning, I want to talk to you about our true wealth. If I may be so bold as to actually say why we are here as Christians. When Jesus asks us, what return have we made on the gospel or good news? What will we say to him? It strikes me that Ephesians 4 is vital for keeping us on track in both our loving and in our life. Sorry, we have to pause while I operate this because I'm not very good at it. Worthy of the calling. I want to talk to you about what promotes grace. I must say, my preparation has not been without distraction, so I hope I can do this justice. St. Paul says we should live a life worthy of the calling, which is an interesting turn of phrase. If you think about it one way, it seems to imply that each one of us has had the voice of God calling to us, the vacari voice, the voice that calls us into faith. faith. We each have a vocation with Jesus calling us like he did to the apostles to serve in a way that is uniquely planned for us as an individual. He says, Sherry, Liam, Alice, Eulene, Eric, come follow me. But we need to be worthy of it. We should be a people of honour and integrity, worthy of the calling. Our words should be our bond. When we say yes, we should mean yes. And when we say no, we should mean no. And as the psalm says, we should wear our integrity like a blanket. What I think that means is we shouldn't shed our integrity the first time somebody invites us to a strip club and, or offers us a bribe. That sounds like a joke, but it has happened to... Both those things have happened to me. By the way, I didn't... <laughs> just, just for clarity's sake, you know, because of this is being recorded, just for clarity's sake, I did not accept either offer. <laughs> Oh dear. There is a great quote from C.S. Lewis that said, Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. We are fond of saying in this church, Only God makes us worthy. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. But we also cooperate with God by not throwing our honour under the bus at the first opportunity. By the grace of God, we can then follow our calling. Be completely humble and gentle. Paul talks about us being completely humble and gentle. A big barrier to authentic Christianity is pride. If we are too proud, it can prevent us from getting near to Jesus. It's only when we give this up that we can then get near enough to touch the hem of his garment and be healed. So much in this reading is about authentic Christian life that the early church taught and encouraged. We should allow God to tame our pride or our anger so that we can become new creations. I will talk later about how that might happen. Jesus indicates that a huge change is possible if only we allow it to happen. To start by letting pride and anger die in us is a powerful, life-changing thing. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about a kind of death to self that releases new life for us. Think of these words that Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples, 
I tell you most solemnly, unless a wheat grain falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain. But if it dies, it yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it. Anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. If a man serves me or a woman, he must follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will be there too. If anyone serves me, my father will honour him. One. One. It is a reminder to be authentic. There is a single thing emphasised in this passage. It is one, the, the body of Christ, or if you like, the bride of Christ, the church, is stronger when it is one, when it is unified. Hear it. One faith, one baptism, one hope, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father. It is a reminder that we should not cause division. Dear God, let us focus on the things that build relationships and help us to grow towards each other and not away from each other. I praise God that we have good relations with the other churches in the immediate vicinity. But I pray that we in Ipswich will be joined even more together, that we will grow together in Christ. And if we do that, we are only being faithful to what Jesus himself prayed for. the hallmarks of authentic Christianity. You have to bear in mind that I've been living with this reading all week, so I've been playing David Suchet reading it on my um, thing as I go to work. And uh, so it's been seeping into me. But I, I, um, I want to talk about something that struck me, that there are certain characteristics of being a true follower of Jesus and that these are like hallmarks on silver. I started to think about the refiner's fire, that somehow the gospel of the good news, when we were exposed to it, is like a refiner's fire, and it purifies us. Into my head came this image of hallmarks being punched onto silver. Imagine you are the silver vessel, and these are your hallmarks. These are the things that flavor us and make us unique. So here they come, and they're just the main points that occur to me, and that there will be others. But the, the, one of the main hallmarks of a Christian is the love for Christ and for each other. And it's a kindness that is an incredible witness to people who have not experienced it in their lives, people who have no faith. When they experience the kindness of Christians, it is a witness and it stands out in a way that is so different to the way that the world carries on. Christians experience changed hearts. They allow God to change their cold hearts of stone to compassionate hearts of love. This was foretold by the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah. It is to be expected that the Holy Spirit will make you softer and more compassionate and help you to grow in empathy. Faithful followers of Christ learn to live in forgiveness. They have received from forgiveness from the cross of Christ. But it goes beyond that, and they get to learn from that and do the same thing themselves. This is where a lot of healing occurs. There should be a separate sermon in itself on this. 
Christians pray daily. They learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and obey. So what about me? You may be saying this to yourself, it's all very fine for Simon to carry on again like this. You may, not, you may feel that you're not part of this. I used to feel like that, but God taught me that it was wrong and healed me of that. You are not a bit player or an extra on the set of Christianity. You have a part to play and a speaking part in the greatest story ever told. And that story is unfolding even now. You might think that you are too angry and that God can never heal you of your anger. He healed me, so why can't he heal you? You might think that you are too proud to come to Jesus. I would say that your pride is a stumbling block and that it is preventing you from living your life to the full. God can heal you if your pride is holding you prisoner. God does great work with prisoners, especially those in solitary confinement. They have the time to discover Christ. It's almost like, well, there's nothing else to do, so there's me and God. Liam and Matt had a prayer breakfast yesterday. While we were eating, this is the prayer breakfast picture for those on the thing. (laughs) While we were eating, Debs appeared. She sort of, she likes to sort of pop in and out. She doesn't like to actually sort of sit down with us. So we were having our croissants and coffee. Um, but she appeared and she started, um, the Holy Spirit moved her basically. And she started telling us about Mad Dog Mumford, who's one of these fine Australian Christians who, um, well, really, I think he might have been a psychopath in his former life. I mean, he, he listed the number of prisons that he'd been in. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm serious. I mean, a violent man um, contained at Her Majesty's pleasure or whoever's in charge of Australia. Um, But he's, he's an incredible man. He is now a minister and an evangelist. God got him by the scruff of his neck in prison where he really had nothing else to do but read the Bible and he converted him without the aid of an evangelist, incidentally. Um, So now his mission is to live as an evangelist. He goes around, um, I believe he's a pastor of a church, but he also goes around evangelizing. So if if you want to, what have I done with the thing? If you want to see what he looks like, this is the guy. Um, He's had a tattoo done on his forehead. That's not a... That's not from his criminal days. That's actually his post-criminal days. You probably can't read it, but it says Jesus is Lord. So what do we do? How can we, how can we appropriate what I'm talking about? How can each one of us take hold of what God is offering us? Well, these are the things that have occurred to me. They're not definitive, but I think they're the true, true in my experience. First of all, pray on your own, get in your prayer cell or whatever you use or, you know, like sit in the park. Open your heart to God and talk about what concerns you. Then listen to God. He will respond, in my experience. I don't think he ever not responds. It might be that we can't interpret what he says sometimes. Ask God who you should forgive. 
Then ask God who you have wronged and who you should ask to forgive you. When you are ready, get others who have already received the Holy Spirit to pray with you for healing and a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Then, and I can guarantee this, then something will happen. If you are brave enough, pray for a sign. That will also happen. This is how to release grace in your life. This is true in my experience, in my lived experience. So that's, that's it, really. Liam, Liam, Matt and I are reading a book at the moment. I plucked out two sentences this week which kind of really speak to my heart. But one is, be bold like a lion for Jesus' sake. And the other is, climb out of the ditch and run towards the light. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to you.